my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever noticed... There's seemingly growing divide in the country, a divide that's not just over politics, but ideologies. But is the country really split? Is it really split down the middle? Well, let's take a look at who are the people on each side of this seemingly split that we all see and feel, but we don't really understand. Who are the people on each side? What are their views? <laughs> How do they vote? And what can we learn about this as we try to navigate this? Now, in this episode, I'm going to break down the difference between the 1% and the 99%. Who makes up? Who are the 1%? How their views differ. We're going to look at the polls. We're going to look at the actual data of what their views differ. And uh, surprise, it is very shocking. I was I was shocked. We're going to look at the views, how they differ from the 99%, why it seems like it's half the country, but it's not. We're going to look at the data behind that. And we're going to look at the historical precedents that we can learn as we all navigate through this. Now, if you're just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We delve into the intricate world of politics, finance, and technology. Really looking for the sweet spot where they connect. And today, we're going to explain what is going on with this seeming divide that we have, how it really divides so we can navigate it, and let's just get going. I'm calling this the elite 1% versus the people. Now, first of all, let me just say, um, I, I've been trying to reject that word elite. Uh, and the reason why I reject that word is because I don't believe they are elite. Well, let me just say, uh, I wouldn't hire pretty much any of those people to run my business. Now, if I was trying to figure out how to get some political goodwill, some political grifts, some political donations, sure, I would certainly hire them. So I suppose in the world of 
grifting in the world of uh, fundraising and washing each other's backs, I suppose they're pretty elite in that. Uh, but I'm trying to so sort of get that word out of my, my vocabulary, but we're talking about today. We're talking about the 1% versus the people. But I'm not talking specifically about the 1% in terms of income like we would normally talk about it. Today, we're going to look at it from a handful of metrics. We're going to lay out what these metrics are. Now, there was a poll that I got most of this data from, and it's from Rasmussen. You've probably heard about the Rasmussen political polls. Uh, they've done, you know, they've been doing American sort of political polls for a long time. Um, I think they were founded in 2003. They do two weekly national surveys. So they're surveying all the time. So they're getting, uh, the reason why I like this is in a business, the way I run my business, the way you should run your business, you probably maybe heard of the term key performance indicators, KPIs. It's sort of like putting your finger on the pulse of your business. And the way they run these polls is sort of similar because they're doing them every single week, twice a week, and they're sort of getting the play-by-play. -play. So as um, things change in the market, as things change in politics, the news, et cetera, you can see this reflected through the polls. It's really good. Um, and what we're talking about today is the Rasmussen reports have noticed a big difference. What they've noticed is the, an anomaly, right? So they look at lots of data. When you start collecting data, like on your business, for example, a lot of times that data doesn't really mean anything to you. But when you look at it over long periods of time, it starts to tell you things. And specifically, you see things starting to shape, uh, change, and stand out anomalies, so to speak. And so they noticed this anomaly. And what they noticed is that out of every 1,000 or so respondents, there would always be three to four who were far more radical than everybody else. So these are the outliers. So out of 1,000, three to four, back to the 1%, right? So every 1,000, there are three or four that were, uh, like I said, way more radical than, than anything else. And so what happened is after seeing this data change after several months, after finding these seemingly you know, unusual responses, Rasmussen realized that they all shared three characteristics, all right? Really maybe four, but we're gonna look at three characteristics that they shared. And so what they did, because they're a polling data analytics company, they aggregated all the responses from more than 20 surveys. And he realized that these people made up a very unique elite 1%. All right, and that's what we're gonna look at. We're gonna dive into that. So first of all, who are they? Let's just talk about that. And then we'll look at the views. We'll look at uh, how this affects us and how we navigate it. But who are the elite? So per all these reports, all this data he's pulled, there are people who have postgraduate degrees. All right, now, not just graduate studies, but postgraduate degrees. So they're the elite of the elite. They're the extra educated, if you will. They have family incomes that are above $150,000 a year. So, you know, getting close, not in the 1% of income, but they're certainly affluent. Let's just call it that. So they came from good families. They went to uh, colleges. We'll talk about the college they went to, and they have postgraduate degrees. Also, they lived in large cities, more than 10,000 people per zip code. And so I'm sure you've probably seen like a picture of the map or a map of the United States, and it's like almost all red. And then you see the blue is all concentrated around the city and this kind of backs that up. So they all lived in large cities, more than 10,000 people were zip code. The elite 1% are surprisingly young. 67% are between 35 and 50 years old. The reason why, <laughs> we'll get back to this when we talk about the actual colleges they came from, the dirty dozen, we'll call it that. Um, however, it's because we've had a massive shift in our education system. And that's why they're predominantly so much younger. The people older than that, learned under a whole different education system with a whole different ideology, I would say with real facts and history, 
let's just say that they were taught different things. So 67% between 35 and 54, 86% are white, 47% favor like Bernie Sanders socialist policies, 73% are Democrats. Now the gap between the elite 1% and the rest of America is startling. All right. We're going to dig into that specifically because when you see the way that they view the world, the way that they look at government and the laws and regulations and the way they want to manage things, it's very shocking, but let's just dig into a couple of these things for a minute. Um, so first of all, they uh, postgraduate degree, like I said, they're younger. And so we can see how that changed. Now we're going to talk about the importance of why that matters, because these people with these high level degrees coming from these certain colleges, we'll talk about the 12 colleges have gone into certain types of jobs. That's a big deal. All right. But it also has has to do with the types of jobs that they have. So the education they have led them to a certain type of job, but it also puts them into a different mindset. And so when you live in these large cities, and you went to these colleges and you have these types of jobs, you just think differently than you do in what we would call the flyover states. So when you're in Kansas or Iowa or, you know, Michigan or, um, you know, you're working on the farm or you're out in, you know, Montana or Idaho, you're living in nature, you just see things differently. You're much more grounded, right? You, you understand the world from a rational lens. When you're in nature, when you work with your hands, when you work for a living, you just get the way the world works. Like, for example... You have to produce before you consume. You see, uh, most of these people don't really understand that, right? They, they're they in New York City. They're in, they're in their hedge fund in Wall Street, for example. They take their helicopter out to the country for the weekend. They look, at, they look out over this beautiful land that they have and think, oh my gosh, this is so pristine. It's so beautiful. We should protect this for forever, which is not a bad idea. But in order to do that, we should just shut down all the energy. We shouldn't get energy in the U.S. anymore uh, because we want to preserve this. But they don't understand. They're so far removed. They don't understand how that all worked out. How did they even get their beautiful condo or, or, or house in New York? How did they make all that money? What went into that? Like real businesses that use energy to grow allowed them to uh, build their wealth. They don't understand it because they're so far removed. It really is, comes down to um, this fourth turning, right? You've heard me reference this before. Maybe you've read the book, The Fourth Turning. Really, it's generational theory. And generational theory is basically four generations. So four turning is 80 years, four 20-year cycles. And it's basically hard times create strong men. That was my grandfather. He grew up on a farm. The hardest times, he was the hardest man. My father, then hard men create great, uh, great men. Great men create great times. My father grew up under that. Very hard work on the farm, but he left the farm. Those great times create uh, weak men, and then weak men create bad times. And so then... You know, I hate to say it, but then, you know, I don't work as hard as my dad. I work very hard as far as my effort and my time commitment, but not as hard physically as my dad did. Um, and now the fourth generation, my kids, uh, they're not quite sure what work is. And so we can see how this changes. And that's sort of where we are with these elite at this stage in the game. Now, I want to break down, like I said, the actual data of how they vote, because I was completely shocked and you're going to be shocked as well. We're going to break that down. Uh, we're going to look at uh, how this affects all these institutions that are sort of driving and shaping our narrative and why it seems so overwhelming and how we navigate all of this. But, you know, one of the ways that we can do this is by protecting our wealth. Wealth gives us options, right? And when they're continually debasing the money, they're eroding your wealth. Even if you save that money in the bank, you're losing your wealth that way. Now, I'm going to come back with the way these people vote and the numbers are going to shock you. I'll be back with more in a minute. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Don't go away. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing. 
but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the 1%, the elite 1% versus the people. Now, we broke down who they are, like the demographics, what the age they are, where they live, how much income they have, and so forth. Let's talk about now about the data of the gap. All right. So um, as we kind of framed up before, Rasmussen Polls, which runs data a couple times a week, they send out these data and they collect all this data. Um, they did a national survey of only people with those characteristics. So as I said before, um, as they do these polls, they found these anomalies. Three to four people out of every 1,000 had this very radical, very different viewpoint. So then what they decided to do is take that group of people and only poll them versus pulling the other people without them. So sort of splitting the group and pulling them separately as opposed to aggregating the data. And they found some astonishing results. Let's talk about a couple of those. When all the others, so we'll say uh, there's the 1% and there's the others. When all the others gave President Joe Biden, or actually when we look at all of the voters, gave President Joe Biden a 41% job approval. It's not that now, it's much lower. But at the time, uh, side note, President Joe Biden had a 41% job approval. The elite 1% rated him at an 82% approval. It's a pretty big difference. It's a 100% difference. 
Think about that for a minute. Why is there such a disparity between those numbers? How can we be seemingly living in two different worlds at the same time? Certainly it's because, you know, one group of people, the majority of people don't trust mainstream media. We're going to come back to that. And they're watching alternative news sources. And the other group is just watching, you know, every TV in their house is on CNN, potentially. We're watching two sets of news. And so we're seeing that. But it's more than that. As I already kind of went through, we went to different schools. We came from different families. We live in different places. We're going to break that down a little bit more. But let's get back into the data because it gets worse. 57% of all the voters, so when we look at the the voter base together, 57% of all voters say there's not enough individual freedom in America. What would you say? Do you think there's more freedom in America? Do you think that individual freedom is getting better or getting worse? Do you think individual freedoms around the world is getting better or worse? Are we seeing the rise of authoritarianism, more control? It looks like every time I turn around, they want to micromanage the minutia. Here in California, for example, this uh, Scott Weiner, who's putting through every draconian law you could ever imagine, they want to tell you that, I mean, that they control your kids, how they control them. He just put a bill forward that wants to uh, make a law in California where auto manufacturers are no longer able to sell cars in the state that go more than 80 miles an hour. Now, we already have speed limit laws, but no, that's not enough. He wants to micromanage the details of your life so much that your car can't even go over that. And think about this. Auto manufacturers now have to make a completely different car just to be sold in that state. So anyway, back to individual. 57% uh, of voters say there's not enough individual freedom in America. However, 70% of the elite, 1% say there's too much. So 60% say there's not enough. 70% of the elite 1% say there's not, there's too much freedom. Do you think there's too much freedom? I guess you can figure out, are you on the elite 1%? Are you, do you side with the regular people based off of some of this, but it gets worse. Let's keep going. 93% of average Americans reject cheating and ex will accept defeat in an honest election. Right. I remember this when the whole Trump Biden thing went down. I'm like, look, man, this is pretty easy. We don't need all kinds of new technology. All we need is just like, why not have a Republican and Democrat both in the room? Both look at the counts. Maybe we live stream it over YouTube. And if, you know, one of them fairly won, they won. And that's what the people want. And then let, let's just accept that. And basically, that's what this poll says. 93% of Americans reject cheating and would accept defeat in an honest election. Only 7% reported that they would cheat, 7% of, of the average Americans. However, 69%, 69%, 70% of the elite 1% would rather cheat than lose a close election. What, what, what is this world that we've grown up in? How could we be so different? I mean, I would just think everybody would reject uh, cheating. 93% do. 70% of the elite, 1% would rather cheat than lose an election. Let's keep going. 6% of most voters have a very favorable, favorable opinion of members of Congress. 6%. <laughs> that's, that's extremely low. Most people do not look favorably on the leadership. Uh, they understand how corrupt Congress is, and they don't like it. However, 69% of the 1% have a very favorable view. I mean, this is almost unimaginable. How can they look at the at, at Congress and say, oh, sure, the insider trading is okay. Sure, Nancy Pelosi is the best uh, investor in the world. Sure, they all beat the hedge funds. Yes. How can they see that? Well, partly because they're made up of that class. 6% are unfavorable. 70% of the 1% are favorable. 10% 
of all voters have a favorable view of journalists. 10% means 90% don't. 90% do not have a favorable view of journalists because they've lost our trust. They're constantly lying. They're constantly manipulating. They're constantly omitting the truth, things like that. 90% of voters view them unfavorable. However, 71% of the 1% voters view them as favorable. What? Like, how can this be? 90% think they're unfavorable. 71% think they are favorable. I mean, the disparity is amazing. Let's just keep going. Now, to illustrate the scale of this gap, let's look at a couple other issues. So those were more about, like, do we trust our leadership? Do we trust their media. But let's look at some of the issues that have been sort of shoved down our throats over and over and over again. Now, this is all going to be from the 1%. And this is all around climate issues. So from the 1% on climate issues, 77% of the 1% would like to impose strict restrictions and rationing on the private use of gas, meat, and electricity. 77% of the 1% think that you have to be controlled and you should be rationed on how much gas you can put in your car, so how much you could drive, how much meat you're allowed to eat, how much electricity you can use. Up, oh, no more video games, no more Netflix for you. 72% favor banning gas-powered vehicles. Yeah, cool for them, they're rich, they can afford that expensive Tesla. What about you? Oh, well, you can't afford it. Uh, so you can walk and ride the bus now. That's how to touch there. 69% of the 1% elite favor banning gas stoves. Again, they're so out of touch. They live in the cities. They're in their high rise condo, uh, you know, a million dollar condo. Sure, they can cook on electric stove, whatever. But what about you in your house? Gas is cheaper. People use gas to cook food. And, and, and regardless of what you want to use, how can they be in favor of micromanaging how you cook your food? I mean, is that more freedom? 58% of the 1% favor of banning sport utility vehicles, SUVs. 58%, almost 60% want to ban what type of, or tell you what type of car you can drive. My wife drives an SUV. We have kids. She drives other kids, my kids' friends. She drives them to um, soccer games and things like that. Like, well, they don't play soccer, but, but sporting events and school events and things like that. And they want to say that they can't drive that. Now think about the knock-on effects of this. So um, we can't drive an SUV. So now instead of my wife driving a bunch of kids to this event, then uh, everyone has to drive their own car. Does that backfire? Have they thought through second, third, fourth order? Now, if you're just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, we're talking about the difference between the 1% and, and the rest, the 99%. We're talking about some of the data behind the difference. And I want to get to how do we get here? And more importantly, how do we navigate all of this? I'm going to go live um, next week talking about this. Check it out. Uh, Go.1markmoss.com slash U-turn. Go.1markmoss.com slash U-turn. But I got a whole lot more to cover when I come back. You do not want to miss this. We'll talk about what we're going to do about this. I'll be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? 
It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. And welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm running through some of the data between the difference in ideology and thinking between the 1%, elite 1%, and the rest of us, the 99%. So I was talking about uh, really uh, we, the, the most shocking stat was uh, the elite 1% think we have way too much freedom and the rest of us don't. And I was running through some of the stats about some of their viewpoints um, and it's shocking. 70% favor banning gas stoves. They want to tell you how you can cook your food. 69 or 58% favor banning SUVs. And I was talking about second, third, fourth, fifth order. So why would they want to ban an SUV? Okay, they say it's bad for the environment, too much CO2 or something like that. Okay, great. So instead of my wife being able to drive three or four kids or five kids in the car to go to the tennis match, like my daughter plays tennis, now those four or five families off to drive separately. So instead, now instead of one car driving, we have four or five cars. I mean, think about that. Does that backfire? Does that work? Have they really thought through these issues? My guess is no. And this, it gets worse. 55% of the 1% are in favor of banning what they call non-essential air travel. Over half of the people in the 1% want to ban you from flying. You shouldn't be allowed to go travel. You shouldn't be able to go see your grandmother. You shouldn't be allowed to go uh, vacation in Mexico or Hawaii. You shouldn't be able to go skiing or whatever it is that you're doing. Go to a, a conference. Now, they want to ban what they call non-essential. But what's essential? Who, who gets to choose what's essential? Now, we saw how that played out during the pandemic when they closed what they considered non-essential businesses. Well, if that business paid for myself and my family, it's pretty dang essential. But they said it wasn't. So that vacation might be essential to my mental health. That vacation might be essential for my family to have good bonding and build memories so we raise better kids. That, that, that travel might be essential because I'm going to go help a nonprofit or go do some mission work or serving opportunities. 
I mean, I could lay out a million reasons why it may be essential to me, but not to whoever gets to choose this. But the fact that 55% are in favor of taking away your freedom of choice is just beyond me. 53% favor uh, banning private air conditioning. How dare you? How dare you be cool? (laughs) Can't even believe this as I read it. 53% favor banning private air conditioning. Now, in contrast to this, the ideas, these ideas are opposed by the 99% between, I'm not going to read through all of them, between 63% to 83% oppose all these ideas. So of the 1%, 60 to 80% want to ban all this, your air travel, your ability to uh, buy gas, your ability to put SUVs, the ability to try all that. But on the other side, the 99%, 63 to 83% are opposed to these. How did we get here? Like, what the heck is the difference in this? And again, it comes down to where they went to school, what they were taught. Obviously, I think that's the biggest piece, uh, where they were raised, what kind of families they were in, and where they live, right? Those are the things. And they think that this represents all the voters, but it doesn't, right? The 1% are living in an echo chamber. Okay, an echo chamber is basically when you just talk to the same people. It's sort of like I uh, when I go to Bitcoin conferences, it's like I'm talking to the echo chamber, like everybody here is already a Bitcoiner. Um, But they not only grew up in an echo chamber, but they continue to live in an echo chamber. So they're not aware of how the rest of the world works. All right. So, for example, we already talked about where they came from. Let's talk about uh, that a little bit more detail. So the one percent went to the dirty dozen. So they went to one of 12 colleges. Harvard, Yale, University of Pennsylvania, Northwestern, John Hopkins, Columbia, Stanford, Berkeley, Princeton, Cornell, MIT, and the University of Chicago. Huh. So they learned what they know from this. Now, this is part of the reason why, you know, a lot of times when we're talking about um, certain types of freedom type issues, a lot of times I might use the word they, and people always are always saying, well, who are they? Who are they? Who are they? Like there's some, you know, one person or a small group of people that sort of pull the strings for the whole world. I know maybe a lot of you think that. Um, like there's one group of people, it's the it's the Rothschilds or it's, uh, you know, the, the bankers at the BIS. And this, this small group of people really pull the strings for everything. And I just have never believed that to be true. Um, first of all, they're not that elite. <laughs> they're not smart enough to be able to organize the whole world by, by that small of a group. What it is, is it's sort of like birds of a, fle- of a feather flock together. So I, I kind of use an analogy sort of like if you had a bunch of birds flying and you see them up in the sky, right? And they have like this V formation. It wasn't like they all had met ahead of time and said, hey, Larry, you take that um, row in the seventh, seventh position back. And Bob, you're, in, you're on the right side in the 13th position. They didn't make any grand plan. They just all started flying together and they all just sort of start to move together. It's basically what terrorism is, right? One of the reasons why the U.S. has never been able to win the war on terrorism, nor will they ever be able to, is because there's no head on the snake, if you will. There's no one central power source or central authority that they could get rid of and then disband terrorism. Instead, it's all different cells, all different groups of people who are all driven by ideology, They all want death to America. Um, They don't have an organized plan. They're not working together. There's no central leader, leadership. They just have a shared ideology. And that's basically what these elites are. They have a shared ideology. They went to the same schools and they were all taught the same thing. So it's not that there's one, in my opinion, it's not that there's one group of people that are pulling the strings of everything. It's they're all birds 
of a feather and they're all flocking together. They all learn the same thing. They all share the same ideology and they all just are sort of moving in the same direction because they believe the same thing and they're sort of moving off of each other's, all right? So for example, Colombia. I did a video on my main YouTube channel, Mark Moss, um, and I talk, I think the title was uh, the real reason for the migrant crisis at the border or the invasion of the United States or something about that. And I was basically breaking down how not just the U.S., obviously, we have a massive uh, invasion problem, calling it that, on the southern border. Over 300,000 people are coming across the border unchecked per month. But um, I was also talking about what's happening in, in Europe. You know, Italy's being invaded and so forth. Um, but I was talking about it specifically because... In that video, I broke down something called the Cloward Piven strategy. And the Cloward Piven strategy is basically the strategy of what they're using to cause this immigration. If you want, you should go watch that video. And basically, the premise of this Cloward, Cloward Piven strategy is that um, is to overwhelm the system, call the nation's bluff. So because the U.S. is willing to give welfare, for example, well, let's one, depress the economy so more and more people have to go on the government welfare, you know, whatever you want to call that, all types of programs. And let's bring in, um, at this point, what are we up to? Nine million um, immigrants and put them onto the system as well. So we'll overtax the system and collapse it. Now, that cloud pivot strategy was taught at Columbia. Well, who went to Columbia? Well, it turns out lots of very important politicians went to Columbia. Barack Obama went to Columbia. Um, the uh, previous... Uh, Attorney General Bill Barr went to Columbia. I think the current Attorney General went to Columbia. Secretary of State Blinken went to Columbia. So all these people went there and they all learned this. So who are they? Well, I guess you could say who, who are they would be the teachers that taught this. Let's keep going. All right. Charles Murray in his classic work um, called uh, Coming Apart, he analyzed zip codes and he proved that graduates from these dirty dozen universities that Rasmussen described live, work, and play in the same zip codes, right? So they're isolated. They're in this echo chamber. They live in these, in these um, echo chambers. They only work with other people of them just like that. And they really created this kind of uh, power uh, aristocracy, if you will. They have no knowledge of how the rest of us live and work. And that breeds contempt. Now they have contempt for, for the most, you know, for the, for the 99%, which sort of explains Hillary Clinton's basket of deplorables line, right? Now in Rasmussen's identification of the elite 1%, it begins to explain the depth of the tension between most Americans and the tiny group of elitists who control what Vladimir Lenin called the commanding heights. What does that mean? The commanding heights. It's the elements of power which control the rest. All right, so we're going to talk about this. I'm going to come back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're always talking about the way the world is changing, and we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. Now, in the world of finance, I'm doing a live presentation next week to break down how this is going to affect our money, our retirement, and more. If you want to check that out, go to go.onemarkmoss.com slash U-turn, go.onemarkmoss.com dot com slash u-turn when we come back after a very quick break i'm going to talk about why it seems like the country's divided in half but really it's not and how we navigate this i'll be back with more in a minute don't go away be right back let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket legal shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years they connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done legal shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iheart pplsi does not provide legal representation or advice see a plan for for complete terms. 
This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about... Uh, how the world is changing and how it seems like the world is divided. And we have these two ideological camps. And what I'm doing is one, we broke down the actual data, the actual issues and the data behind it to show you, yes, how divided the world really is. But what we want to look at now is that it's not divided down the middle. It's not that, you know, not to get into it, but it's not that Trump and Biden got almost the exact amount of votes by just a couple of left or right. It's not that. The, 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 the country is not divided down the middle. As a matter of fact, it's broken down to 1% and 99%. We gave you the data. Now, why does it seem like it's split down the middle? Well, like I said, if you look at a map of the United States, you can see the whole thing is red. Uh, the big cities have blue, and of course, they're higher density, so we have that. But more specifically, it's because of what I just said right before the break, which is what um, Vladimir Lenin had called the commanding heights. So what the elite has done, the 1% elites have taken control of these commanding heights, and this is how they hang on to power, all right? So they dominate the universities. They're the ones that have the universities. They're the ones that are teaching uh, the next generation, your kids, whatever they taught you and your kids, right? So because you see it in the university and they have this uh, position of power, if you will, being a professor, you feel like it's more prevalent than it is. They control the news media. So they're controlling what you see on TV, on CNN, CNBC, ABC. They control what you're reading, you know, Washington Times or uh, Washington Post or LA Times, for example. They control the judiciary. So they've taken over the judges and, and, and the, the legal side. We call it lawfare now. Intelligence agencies, uh, giant foundations, and most major corporations. So these elite were trained at the best colleges and they went and got the best jobs. And so they have an abnormal amount of control over the the, the core things that, that we sort of see back to the commanding heights, if you will. Although they're, they're, they're few, they're relatively few people, but you know, then they marry each other 
and then their children go to the same schools and then they hire and they promote each other. So that's how that works. Now, once they've gotten control of the education system, then they continue to push those narratives down and they teach your kids to hate you and to hate their country and to think that we have too much freedom and that's the problem. And if we only took everyone's freedom away, if we only took away their ability to buy gas and travel and meat and all those things, if only we did that, then maybe we'd have a better world somehow. As I said, they all favor Bernie Sanders socialist policies. And then they take control over media and then they constantly gaslight us and lie to us over and over and over. We can see it no matter where we look. Just uh, just last night, Jimmy Kimmel, probably you know who he is, late night talk show host. I don't watch him, but apparently some people do. He suggested that it was a crazy conspiracy theory to believe that Joe Biden might be suffering from dementia. That's what he said. He said, quote, so let me get this straight. The same people who believe Joe Biden has dementia and needs Kamala Harris to feed him, butterscotch tapioca every night, also believe that he has somehow planned and executed a diabolically brilliant scheme to fix the NFL playoffs so the biggest pop star in the world could pop up on the Jumbotron during the Super Bowl during a Kia and a Tostitos commercial to hypnotize her 11-year-old fans into voting for Joe Biden. But you see what he's doing? He's taking a couple of things and twisting it around, this is what we call gaslighting, to make it seem unbelievable. The same people who believe Joe Biden has dementia think he's also plotting a diabolical plan. No, those two things don't have to be true at the same time. Now let's look at some of the data, okay? Per a CNN poll, I didn't pull a Fox poll, I pulled a CNN poll. Per a CNN poll released last year, they found that 56% of Democrats and 73% of Americans are seriously concerned about Biden's mental competence. Everybody in the world knows this. Uh, this last summer, I spent a month going through Europe with my family. We uh, did a couple of weeks in uh, Italy and Greece. We went over to Egypt. And uh, as we traveled around, I, I like to talk to people. I like to get their viewpoint. I like to get the boots on the ground information. And pretty much every single person I talked to, and again, this is anecdotal because I didn't talk to millions of people or even tens of thousands of people, but I talked to a lot of people. And every single one, when I even mentioned Biden's name, because I said, you know, what do you think about the dollar? What do you think about the monetary system? You know, what do you think about politics? Things like that. Every single one laughed when bringing up Biden. Everybody knows. It's why, it's why Putin has challenged Biden to a, um, a debate. It's why Trump has challenged Biden to debate. It's why, why Biden won't go to a debate, right? Everybody knows this. Even the CNN polls, 56% of Democrats, 73% of Americans say that they're con seriously concerned. But here Jimmy Kimmel is going, aha, those same people, they don't know what they're talking about, right? And then, and then he, and then he throws shade on the whole, like, uh, um, uh, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden thing. But then we saw this week as well, James O'Keefe, um, he got his disguise on. He sat down with a top White House cyber official and they told him, quote, they can't say it publicly, but the White House wants to replace Kamala Harris and confirms President Joe Biden has mental decline. All right, it's all on video. You can see this video. So like, we know this, we see it. Like, you don't have to be a genius for this, but yet the, the elites, the elite 1% are using their position of power to gaslight us. Now we see this all over. Uh, there's no border crisis. Even as 300, 350,000 people are coming across the border. Um, I think there was 10 uh, retired FBI and intelligence analysts wrote a letter, I think in the last week or so to Congress saying that you cannot overstate the danger that has been caused by having this open border. Like everybody sees it, right? We have a, a convoy going down there right now. It's all over, but yet they're telling us there's no border crisis. Even if there is, Kamala Harris is on it. 
but that's not the case. Uh, Kamala Harris boasted in El Paso that the administration has made, quote, extreme progress over these last few months. It's extreme, all right. It's not progress. Well, it's not progress in the way that would fix it. Right? We've been told all these things. We've been told that you know the pandemic was caused by an animal in a in a wet lab uh, or a wet market. When we found out, we all kind of knew all along that it was uh, came out of a lab. And now, of course, that's all been documented. And so, over and over and over, we can see this. But really, where it's most evidenced is in the definition of democracy. You see, all of this is being done to save democracy. If the people get their will, that, that's a threat to democracy. If you're allowed to vote for the candidate you want, and that candidate just happens to be not them, if it just happens to be Trump or anybody else probably for that matter, that's a threat to democracy. I guess they think that democracy means it's Democrats in, part, in, in rule. We've kind of grown up to believe democracy is sort of like the will of the people, where like um, mob rule, where we take a vote and whoever the most vote, whoever gets the most votes wins. That's not the definition they use. Democracy by and for the elites. Um, old uh, author Tocqueville predicted that an immense and tutelary power would replace genuine popular rule. And that's about it. We can see today that only 15% of the American population approves of Congress. Only 15%. So are they governing for the people? Are they doing what the will of the people want? Now, I know, I know a lot of you are going to say this. Uh, the U.S. Isn't a, isn't a democracy. The U.S. is a is a um constitutional republic. I get it, right? I said the allegiance all, all, all my life growing up. My point is, is they're saying that we have to protect democracy, but the word democracy no longer indicates much about popular rule. It basically refers to a hypothetical goal that gives those who invoke its mandate to do basically whatever they want, even when it's the opposite of what the people desire, which is why Congress only has 15% approval rating. We can see this over and over and over but it's not the case. I, I wanted to go into a couple other things. I'm running out of time here. Uh, just today I saw on Twitter, uh, Rep Ilhan Omar, you might know who she is. She is attacking El Salvador, saying that she's urging members of Congress to um, take action on threats to democracy in El Salvador. Now in El Salvador, they have a massive uh, voting base that 90% of the population of El Salvador approve of the president's leadership. 90% approve, whereas in the United States, 15% approve. So which one is more democratic? Uh, the president of El Salvador uh, fired back on Twitter. He said, we are honored to receive your attacks just days before our election. I would be very worried if we had your support. He's a savage. If you're not following him on uh, social media, you definitely should. But if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, breaking down the data between the divide and just let you know it's not as dark as it seems. The population is not split down the middle. It's 1% versus the 99 all right. At the end of the day, we are going to win. We have the masses. We just have to speak if we need to have a voice. You need to have money. I need to have influence. That's what I got today. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Psst. There's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell. To saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, Platinum Status is earned with 12 Phillips over three months, 10-gallon minimum per Phillip at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com status.
Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.